Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter number 9. The book of Joshua and chapter number 9. We're getting to the place where we're going to start hitting the book, rest of the book of Joshua rather quickly. Probably in about two weeks, we'll be wrapping up this portion of this series of Joshua and be moving to the more of the period of the judges. And so we're going to be hitting things fairly rapidly. But as we've been going through the beginning parts of Joshua, we've seen the preparation of victory in Joshua chapter 1 through 5. And then starting in chapter 6, we actually see them begin to get victories as they go to conquer Jericho. They go and conquer Ai. And now the people are afraid and they're, they're afraid of the, of the Lord. And people are starting to react a little bit differently. Some want to try to beg for God to do something. And others are trying to hide and fight against God and His will. But in the book of Joshua in chapter number 9. Once again we see um, a reaction of people because of the events that have occurred so far. Notice with me in the book of Joshua chapter 9 and verse number 1. The book of Joshua chapter 9 and verse number 1. The word of God says this. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side of Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Prezizite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel and with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did their work wildly. And they went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision were, was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua and to the camp of Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, from a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og of Beshan, and of Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and our inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot for our provision, out of our houses on the day we came forth to go to you. But now, behold, it is dry 
and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new. And behold, they be rent. And these are garments and our shoes have become old by the reason of a very long journey. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them and let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of three days after they had made league with them that they heard that they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Cherith and Beroth and Kith, um, Kithjath-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And the congregation murmured against the princes. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now thereof, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear unto them. And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation, as the princes had promised them. And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you, when you dwell among us? Now, therefore, ye are cursed, and there shall be none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of the water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, because it is certainly told thy servants how the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now, behold, we are in thine hand, as it seemeth good and right unto thee to do to us, do. And so he did unto them, and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation, and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, in the place which he should choose." And if you're in the habit of marking things in the Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find, a frightening phrase of Joshua chapter number 9. Joshua chapter 9 and verse number 14, the phrase, Ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message about the Gibeonites here, that they ask not counsel of the Lord. They ask not counsel of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we approach you now, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us wisdom. Lord, we know how important prayer is, but yet we always seem not to pray like we should. That we always fall short. And Lord, I know that I'm guilty of it as well. Lord, I'm asking that this would be a reminder of us how important it is to pray and to seek your face and to get your guidance and to get your leadership. Lord, you want the very best for us. Help us not to settle with second best. Help us to to desire all that you want us to have full, complete. Lord, we thank you for you being a great God. Once again, fill me with your precious spirit so that way you could order this message the exact way that you want it to get across. And in your precious name we pray. Amen. They ask not counsel of the Lord. You know, dear friend, all failures are prayer failures. 
That was something that was said by an old preacher, and that's true. You say, well, what do you mean all failures are prayer failures? What about this? All failures are prayer failures. Well, what about so-and-so? And look at the life that they're ruining. All, all failures are prayer failures. When we fail to pray, we fail to seek God's face. Sometimes we run into problems that God never intended us to run into. Just because we failed to seek his face. We failed to get guidance from him. We took it upon ourselves that we know which way we're going until we get into trouble. And then, oh, I should have prayed. You know, think about people who get sick. That they, it starts off with something small and something, and it grows a little bit. And they go to the doctors and they do this. And I'm not against doctors, but they, they fail to seek God. And next thing you know, the only hope they have, the only thing I could do is pray. What would happen if they had prayed when it was something small? Couldn't have God headed it off? Couldn't God have changed things? Could have God done something? You see, we fail in our prayer life. And this story here is going to... It, it may sound idle. It may sound uh, simplistic on the surface. But this is going to have long-ranging detrimental effects to the children of Israel. Because they failed to pray that this is a mark of history that basically it would have diverged into two different things. One would have been the simpler path, the things without some of the heartache, some without some of the things that occurred to them later. But instead, they failed to pray and they veered off and they had to deal with the consequences that it may not seem like big consequences at the very beginning, but it's going to have long ranging consequences to the nation of Israel in the future. And it's because they failed to pray. Our prayer life is such an important part. We spoke about Bible reading this morning and how God wanted us to obey. And that he had the two mountains, the mountains of blessing and cursing. And that if we obey, we get the lush mountain, the representation of the blessings. And when we fail to read our Bible, fail to obey the Bible, we get the the rocky, the barren, that it was supposed to be those pictures that we obey, we get blessing. We disobey, we get curses. Now, the Bible isn't a wonderful God's messages. They're just the, still the basic stuff. He said, read your Bible and obey this morning. Now we get to the idea, pray, pray, pray. Someone once said to me, why are you always saying, read our Bible, read our Bible, read our Bible? Don't you have something else to say? Well, not until you read your Bible. <laughs> You know, God doesn't switch messages. It's the it's the it's the basic things that we have the hardest time to get Christians to do. It's the hardest thing in the world, it seems, to get people to read their Bible consistently. It's the hardest thing in the do to get people to pray consistently. So no wonder over and over in the Bible, read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray. Why? Because we need to remind it that we need to read our Bible and pray. Because those are still the basic things. You know, the Christian life is so simple. We make it complicated. And if we want to get things back into order, we go back to basics. Read our Bible. Pray. Go to church. Give. Tell people about the Lord. That's basics. And that's where God wants us to be at. So let's examine this historical story. And I'll remind you, this is history. This is something that truly happened. And let's see the things that are going on. First of all, I want to show you the Gibeonites plan. The Gibeonites plan. 
In verse number 1 of chapter number 9, it says, And it came to pass, when the kings which were on this side of Jordan, in the hills, and in the valleys, and all the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, heard thereof. That they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. Now, what's happening is that the very first campaign as they cross the Jordan River is what we and uh, who study the Bible trying to make things simple. We had the central campaign when you go through Jericho, Ai, and then what's going to happen to the Gibeonites and stuff. This is going to be the central campaign. In chapter 10, what's going to happen? We're going to have the southern campaign where they take care of the kings of the south. And then chapter number 11, they have the northern campaign where they take care of the kings of the north. And what that does is it sets up a clear area where they could divide out the land and Joshua turns the people loose and says, now you follow in obedience to the Lord. You continue on and finish clearing them out. We've already got a big chunk of stuff so we can be settled. Now you take care of things yourself. But again, from Jericho to Ai to the Gibeonites, this is going to be the central campaign. Then we're going to have the southern campaign. And chapter 10 and then chapter 11, we have the northern campaign. The reason why I'm saying that now is because we're not going to spend a lot of time in the next couple of weeks on the campaigns. We're not going to go through each little battle and the 31 kings that they defeated and whatever else. We're going to give an overview of that. But I'm trying to give you a little bit of um, um, advanced, <laughs> you know, trying to summary of what's occurring here. But we could see the kings are lined up. I meant we've got to join together. We can't stand separate. We've got to stand against them. Maybe if we stand firm together and we fight together, we can fight against this army. We can fight against this plague that's coming upon our nation. But there happened to be one of these groups, the Hivites, that said, you know, we're going to lose. And we don't want to lose. So they came up with a battle plan. Notice with me in verse number three. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they did their work wily. That idea has craftily, sneakily carries it out. You remember Wiley Coyote? That's that same idea that he's coming up with plans. He's trying to be sneaky about it. He's trying to think of cunning and how do I get my way When they did their work wily and they went and made as if they had been ambassadors and they took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles and old and rent and bound up and old shoes and cloud upon their feet and old garments on them and they and the bread that they had provision was dry and moldy. So what happened is they said we we have to make it uh, we have to make it look like we're ambassadors we have to look like we're far away. You see, even the inhabitants understood and heard that God said, kill them all, drive them all off the land, get them all, get rid of them all. Anyone within this land area, they have to go. So they knew that they were within this circle. So what they wanted to do is to, when they met with them and made a deal with them, they want to make it look like they were way out of bounds, that they traveled from way far away. And so what they did is they got their old ratty clothes and made it look like they had been walking across, not just for a couple days. By the way, Gibeon was only a couple days journey. It was really just nearby, uh, 30 something miles away. That's pretty close. They're making it look like they traveled thousands of miles 
a far distance away. That they probably saying, hey, we came from the other side of what we would know as Turkey, the other side of Asia Minor. They're up in the uh, Eastern European thing, uh, campaign near Asia. You know, the, the, we're way over here. And so they got old shoes. You know, you remember going through school in shoes and then your flap would of your shoe would come off and it's kind of walking and flapping at the same time. We were so poor that to hold that together, we I had walk around with duct tape around my shoes, you know, and just kind of survive. So that imagine that they they got the shoes, the soles are flapping around. It's all old. They got holes in their clothes. It, it, it's all old, and they take old moldy bread and and they took um, wine bottles of juice and stuff and it's all old and cracked and and all this stuff and they, they're dressed up they've put on a costume they've made it look like they're only a couple of days away i mean you could walk and break in a new pair of shoes and it still look new and just you know two days journey they've made it they've got their old ratty stuff that you know that their wife kept saying you need to throw this away you'll never use this and and no oh, i'll have a use for it one day well they found a use for it and, and i get to wear it again and now they're wearing it it's all out of style it's it's all out of date and but they show up and so they came up with this plan and they said we want to be ambassadors we want to make it look like we've traveled a long way and we want to come up with a deal that we can fool them and they won't kill us so, first of all, we see the Gibeonites' plan. Then we see the Gibeonites, they fool Israel. The Gibeonites fool Israel. Notice with me in verse number 6. And they went to Joshua and into the camp at Gilgal. So, remember, Gilgal is kind of their capital that they have set up. As they had crossed the Jordan River right before you hit Jericho, they made Gilgal their capital. And so basically, the Gibeonites, they walked across the ashes of Ai, the ashes of Jericho, and they approached Gilgal and said unto them and to the men of Israel, we become from a far country. Now, therefore, make ye league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, peradventure. Ye dwell among us. How shall we make league against you? So basically these guys approach and, you know, they're they're doing the French um, hello, you know, basically putting their hands up and sorry, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're here. We have no danger. Please. We just want to speak to you. And they come up and the children of Israel, the guards are out the door and said, why should we make league? You live right next door to us. We're. You, we're going to wipe you out. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we, we live a long ways away. We're coming. Please, we're not your enemies. We live long, long ways away. We know you're going to come and destroy the area. No, 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 no. We, we came a long ways. And verse number eight. And they, um, uh, they said unto Joshua. So finally they get an audience with Joshua. We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, who are ye? And from whence do you come? And they said, from a very far country, thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of them and all that he did to Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, the king of Eshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and our inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore, now make ye a league with us. So they come up and say, Joshua, we have heard what your God has done. We've heard about the twelve plagues of 
of Egypt. We heard about how the Nile River was turned to blood. We heard about the flies coming. We heard about the frogs coming. We even heard about how Pharaoh, uh, when Moses stood before Pharaoh and says, when do you want to get rid of the frogs? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And he said, one more night with the stinking frogs, one more night in sin. I had a terrible time with them last night and I just want to do it again. And he said, we heard about these plagues. We heard about the death of the firstborn. We heard about how God delivered you. We heard about how the Red Sea opened up. We heard how you came to, to Sihon and Og and they said, we're not going to let you pass. And how you wiped them out, how you destroyed them. And our leaders... Notice they didn't say Jericho AI. That's too much recent history. They're going, we heard about what happened over there. And, and we came. And when we started off, we had new clothes. We had just bought them. We had brand new bread. And we had all this new stuff. Now we've traveled so far because we've heard about what your God has done. And we want to say, we're friends. We're, we want to be on your side. And this, our bread, we took when was hot for our provision out of our houses on the day we went forth. Behold, now it is dry and moldy. And these bottles of wine which we fill were new. And behold, they be rent. And these are garments and our shoes are very old by reason of the very long journey. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them and let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. So basically they come up and they, they make league with them. Now, let me pause and make sure I get some good context. You say, why in the world would they take their moldy bread and their other stuff? Well, remember, you have two and a half million people. It takes... Uh, 1,500 tons of food a day to feed the people of Israel, the children of Israel. And they don't have Walmarts and they don't have the other stuff. And so these people just didn't bring, you know, what they had in their sacks. They probably brought wagon loads of food and bread. And even though it's moldy, it's still food when you're desperate. You know, we're spoiled now because we have expiration dates and stuff like that. But back then you don't throw away bread. You don't throw away stuff. And so they come and they have all this food and they have all these provisions which are still usable. And Joshua says, all right, well, you've been traveling so far. Hey, guys, what do you think? Should we allow them to come? Okay, fine. Well, you know, since you're not nearby, since you told us you would never lie to us, you know, you... We'll go ahead and make an agreement with you. Sure, not a problem since you live so far away and you came this way. You know what they did? They bought it hook, line, and sinker. And it's all because they failed to pray. They failed to pray. You know, God could have very easily said, no, they're lying to you. But they failed to pray. They failed to see God's face. They failed to seek direction from it. And they were fooled. Do you know... The reason why they were fooled is because they said, hey, look, God's opening doors. Look, he brought us food. Do you know that sometimes Satan can send you a good thing to distract you? Do you know sometimes in a spiritual war, he could give you a duplicate, give you something that seems good and you don't pray about it? Look, it's just in my path. We need to pray about all the things. There's many people who, who've tried to get a good thing. And it, look, it's right there. I go ahead and clink this link and all of a sudden get $10,000. And then you get the virus on your computer and stuff. You know, that's how people fool you is trying to give you a good thing. 
That's part of manipulating people. You know, people don't do things unless there's something in it for them. A good manipulator goes, let me show you why you should do this. What is good for you? And Satan is the master manipulator. He'll get a lot of Christians distracted. I thought this was a good thing. And it's not. I meant how many TV preachers have made millions of dollars. Oh, please give to my hospital. Oh, and you're like, that's a good thing. Let me give to the hospital. And then God has turned it to a different direction. Thank you for giving. I'm going to redistribute these funds. And then years later, I want to do another hospital. And please give. And I know there's one goofball that's tried it three times and still stole the people's money, you know. And Why? Because people want to do a good thing and there's all kinds of stuff. But there are deceivers out there. There are. That's why we need to seek God's face. Even if it seems good. Even if it seems like a good thing. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray about all things. Whether it's good or bad. We need to send all things to the Lord. We need to seek His face. We need to be dependent upon Him. We need to look for Him and get guidance from Him. We need to be careful which steps we take. So we have the Gibeonites plan that they came up with a plan. Then they fooled Israel. They got him hook, line, and sinker. But then the Gibeonites are, are discovered. The Gibeonites are discovered. Notice verse 16. And it came to pass at the end of three days. Man, someone, someone said that the best way to keep a secret between two people is to get rid of a person. You know what happened? Someone spilled the beans. Someone was talking, you know, got in a conversation. It only took three days for someone to open up their mouth. It came to pass at the end of three days after they had made league with them that they heard that they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. Man, they're still visiting and they're still celebrating and said, yay, we made an agreement. Hey, by the way, I just live a couple doors back. You should go see my house. You should go see the things in my house. Come over and I'll let you go visit with my family. Where do you live at? Oh, I just live a couple days away. Oh, oh. And it began to spread through. Do you know that these guys, that they don't live far away, they're just right next door? And verse 17, and the children of Israel journeyed. You know what they did? The children of Israel just traveled there. It was only a couple days. They just said, hey, let's go check it out. And they journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. They're only three days away. They traveled three days, showed up at their doorstep and said, oh, this is a far ways away. You thought you traveled all this. I thought your food got moldy and stuff. Well, it didn't turn out that way. And the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now the cities were Gibeon and Chepharath and Beroth and Kithrad-Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had swore unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And the congregation murmured against the princes. And so the congregation is saying, hey, wait a second. We were told to kill everyone to get rid of all these people. And now we show up and now you say that we're supposed to be friends with them. What happened here? What's the conflict of orders? And they're like, we're sorry, we made an agreement with them. We, we told them we wouldn't destroy them. And the children of Israel are upset. I meant, you know, the congregation, the masses. They're like, why? We're, God told us to do this. Now we have to disobey. What do we do? It says in verse um, number 20, 
the princes are talking to the congregation. And this we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. Basically, the guys made a promise unto God, said, we'll tell God we're under God. God, we're not going to destroy them. And when they made a deal with them, and now they're saying, we made a promise to God. We can't break our deal. We can't break our word. We've got to be honest with what we're doing. 21, and the princes said unto them, let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water into all the congregation as the princes had promised them. Basically, they said, listen here, they're just going to be our servants. They're the ones who are going to be hauling water. They're the ones who are going to be cutting our wood. They're the ones who are going to be doing our menial labor and our work and stuff. And someone says, well, this isn't so bad. Well, hold on a second. We're going to get into some of the side effects later on. Now, for the Gibeonites, they got spared. This is a good deal. But we're not looking at things from the Gibeonites. We're looking at God's people who were given orders, and now they disobeyed. And they made an agreement, uh, made a promise to God, made an agreement with them under God. But they failed to pray on it. And now they're in a stuck. Do we obey? Do we keep our word? You know, sin always makes things complicated. If you don't have that statement down somewhere, put that down. Sin always makes things complicated. You know, when God has a simple answer and then sin gets involved, now it gets all messed up. You know, you have have a, a couple that they they commit fornication and now they have children outside of marriage. And you say, preacher, what do I advise them to do? Uh you know, sin, sin gets things complicated then. It messes things up. It makes it so there's no easy answers because sin has complicated things so much. And you know, by the way, what is the sin? It's they failed to pray. They failed to seek God. They made an agreement to something. Now they have to keep their word. And they know it wasn't God's perfect will. Now they have to settle with a permissive will. And they're not going to get all the blessings that they should have had in the first place. And they have to put up with consequences that are going to occur. Verse number 21. Now Joshua is meeting them. And Joshua called for them and he spoke unto them saying, Wherefore have you beguiled us? Saying, We are from a very far from you when you dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed. And there shall be none of you that be freed from being a bondman. And hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, because it is certainly told thy servants how the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land. Now, notice they're saying this. We know that Moses told you to take the land. We know that Moses told you to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, because of this, we know what your God told you to do. We were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now we are in thy hand. And it seemeth good and right to thee to do unto the, uh, us do. Now, notice verse number 25. This is kind of a side thing. But let me teach you something here. In verse 25, this is an example of what begging for mercy truly is. Begging for mercy. Sometimes when we go to God and ask for mercy... We have something different in mind than what true mercy is, what we're truly asking for mercy. When we're asking for mercy, we want God to erase all the consequences and all the things and whatever else. But what they're doing when they're asking for mercy is they're getting down on their knees and they're burying their head. And when they're calling for the person of mercy, they're saying, Joshua, whatever you see seem right to do, you're allowed to do. If you decide to give us consequences, 
We willingly accept those consequences. We are at your mercy. We are at the place where you decide our fate and what we try to do. That's what it is to when we go cry for mercy to God is that we have in mind that we want God to erase our consequences. But when we're saying, God, I now get asked for your mercy. What we're doing is we're giving God permission to do what he feels is right. So if he feels to allow consequences, that is up to him. We are submitting ourselves and saying, God, I am now putting it in your hands, not mine. You're allowed to do what you think is right not what i think is right what you think is right and we need to remember that from time to time because sometimes god does decide to allow consequences to go on sometimes god does allow chastisement to come on sometimes he does allow some of the things to occur but and then people say well i asked god for mercy and he didn't give it to me no no when you ask for mercy you are saying god you're allowed to do what you think is right whatever so you think is right, you do that. And I submit myself to your authority and whatever you say to do. And that's what they're doing there. They're pleading for mercy. Whatever you say is right, we'll do. Verse 26, and so he did to them and delivered them out of the hands of the children of Israel that they slew them not. And Joshua made that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord and unto this day in the place that he should choose. Now, someone will look at this and say, hey, look, it worked out after all. You know, if you look at the Gibeonite side, they get to live. Isn't that a wonderful thing? They get to live. They look and look initially and say, look at the children of Israel side. Look, now they got servants. They got people to do their menial. No one likes to go haul water from the cisterns. You know, you know how the cisterns work. They weren't like wells that we go today or faucets. They would actually have to carry the water on their head and walk down a huge well, go down, pick up the water and haul it back up. And that's hard work. And they say, hey, look, we got someone to do our hard work for us. We know winter's coming. You know, Wisconsin, you know about this. For those who have wood burning stoves, it takes work to cut wood, to get the axe and to cut it and do all that stuff. And then to haul that wood from one place to another to do all that stuff. And someone's like, hey, look, Israel wins. Look at this. They got someone to be a blessing. They got someone to do all the work so we could be lazy and we don't have to do that work. We could concentrate on other things. And they look, it's a win win. Actually, it's a lose-lose. First of all, we don't look at things from <laughs> the Gibeonite side. We're looking as God's side. And he said they need to be destroyed. Why did God say all the inhabitants need to be destroyed? Was it because um, he didn't like them? No, he understood something. That they served other gods rather than the true God of Jehovah. And what would happen is that if they left them alive... What's going to happen is that they're going to have their influence on other people. And that those influences are going to draw the children of Israel away from the true and living God. You have two kids. A Gibeonite kid who serves Baal and serves Ashtaroth. And he grows up with an Israelite kid and says, hey, why do you have to keep going to the synagogue all the time? Why do you have to go to, uh, to the tabernacle and, and go do those sacrifices you know, your God's not real. And hey, why don't you pray to Baal? He's the one who brings rain anyways. Baal is the thunder God. So, you know, let me tell you about Baal. You know, isn't the Gibeonites, aren't they now, because they're haulers of wood and doing the menial labor, don't they have a lot of contact with the children of Israel? And that's exactly what happens. Someone says, 
a couple saying, we're really praying to the Lord that we could have a baby. We really want to have a baby. Someone says, you know, I really like you. You know, I've been hauling wood for you for a while. I don't pray to God. I pray to Ashtaroth. I pray to Ishtar. Ishtar is the fertility goddess. And she's the one who answers our prayers about having a baby. Why don't you pray to Ishtar? Well, we're so desperate, we'll try. And you know what happened? Little bit by little bit, they were taking them away from the one true God. And they're convincing them. Do you know why there's a polytheism in the first place? What is polytheism? Poly means many. Theism is gods. Polytheism is many gods. We believe in a monotheism, meaning there's one God. That's it. You know what? Our monotheism is that we believe that God is enough to take care of everything. For a polytheism, because man gets involved, they say, well, one God isn't capable of taking care of everything. So we need a God who we pray to brings down rain. And that's the only job of that goddess to make it rain. Then we have a fertility goddess that we pray to. And that goddess is the one who controls babies. Then we have a goddess over here who takes care of this. And then we have a god who takes care of this. Then we have the sun god over here. And so whatever we need, we just pray to that god. Because one god isn't big enough to hold that. That's what polytheism says. Is that that god is not big enough to handle all of these things. And so what we see here is that at the very beginning, it didn't look like anybody lost. The Gibeonites get to live and the children of Israel, they get something. But we as Christians, we do something called discernment. Discernment has the idea of not seeing where someone is currently at, but sees where they're going. To see where they're headed to. And what's going to happen because of discernment, of course we have history, 2020 hindsight, they do start drawing the people away from the true and living God. And they start serving Baal. They start serving Ashtaroth. And what's going to happen in the period of the judges is that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What's the whole problem with judges? They stop looking at God and they serve the other gods. And God gets upset and has to draw the people and say, there's only one God. There's only one God. You know what happened during the period of the judges? That the people, they prayed to Ashtaroth, they prayed to Baal, they prayed to him, they prayed to him. Until God took all of that away and they're so desperate. Now, finally, though, they get desperate enough to pray to Jehovah God and God answers their prayer. And they're like, oh, good. God answered prayer. And then they start praying to other gods again. And until God gets them desperate enough that they finally pray to the one true God. Kind of like people today. They have atheists. Atheists don't believe in gods, but they believe in themselves. Someone said there's no such thing as a true atheist. You let them hurt enough and they'll pray to God. They get in a car accident. Oh, God. Oh, God. They'll start looking for God when they get desperate enough. And that's exactly what happens in the period of Judges. But that's not what God intended. He wanted them to be looking at God all the time. Not just when they had a need and they were desperate. By the way, God doesn't want us just to pray to God when we have a need and when we're desperate. He wants us to be in the place where we're talking to God and praying to God and seeking his face before we have a need, before we have a problem, before we take the next step. The problem we have, dear friend, and we, there's good people in here. They're not evil people in here. But the problem we have, friend, is that we fail to pray. I've got these two jobs coming up. Which one's going to pay me more? You know, how many people have come up and say, well, preacher, 
I'm going to leave the church. Why? Well, I'm taking this other job and it's going to, uh, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to get paid more. And my family's going to be happier and all of this. And I say, well, what church are you going to go to? Well, I don't know if there's any churches over here, but I know it's God's will for me to go over there. Well, have you been reading your Bible? No, but I believe it's God's will. Well, yeah, you know, you don't know it's God's will. You just think that the George Washingtons are telling you what God's will is. That we have to seek God's face. You, you know, sometimes God may not want you to take the better job because he wants you in a certain place. Sometimes he does want you to take a job because he wants you in such and such a place. We have to pray and seek his face and he can guide us and he wants to guide us. How much trouble we get in, friend, because we depend on our own steps. And we don't ask God what we should do that day, what we should line up, how God should guide us. And we fail to have the greatest tool, God's guidance. And we stumble through like blind men going through a dark alley until we trip and fall and say, God, help me, please. And God didn't want us to go in the alley in the first place. You know, the problem that we have here is that they failed to ask counsel from God. And if they would have asked counsel from God, God could have very easily said, nope, these jokers here, they're neighbors and they're trying to spare their lives and we feel sorry for them. But God's orders was to get rid of them. Not because he's trying to be mean. It's because he loves the children of Israel and he wants them to serve only the true and living God and not false gods. You know, I'm saying this because sometimes people get confused when they go through Joshua and Judges. I don't understand why a loving God will ask them to destroy all the people. It's because he's a loving God. He has asked his people to clear them off. Now, by the way, we're in a different time. God is not asking us to go kill all the atheists and all the people who disagree. He's asking that was for that time for his nation that was guided under them. Okay, so don't don't go burn down the 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 X-rated stores and whatever else. It's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that you need to get guidance from God day by day and you can have it. We have to ask counsel of the Lord. Before we get decisions, before things get too big, before we fall and stumble, before it gets bad. God doesn't want us to go through a lot of stuff we cause ourselves because we failed to ask counsel from the mouth of the Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.